Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning. Come on in. Pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller. And we are so excited to have you here with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cameron Clutter's our barista. Our Lady of Peace Parish in Clintonville is hosting a parish mission tonight and tomorrow night with Father Joshua Whitfield, entitled Revival Sacrifice, Jesus, the Eucharist, and You. And Father Whitfield will be joining us in the cafe in just a few minutes. Then we'll be joined by Jason and Lauren Mays to share some of the stories of their conversions and how their family is pursuing the Lord together. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. Can you start us with a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day. We thank you for your goodness and for your blessings. Thank you for the ways that you are leading us and guiding us, sustaining us, and in particular, loving us. Lord, we ask for hearts on fire, hearts with such a desire to know you and to love you that we are willing to do whatever it takes, that we are willing to look at ourselves and the things in our lives that are not leading us closer to you. And we ask for the grace, especially during this Lenten season, to burn those away so that we may draw closer to you, so that we may be in utter communion with you. We thank you for these graces and we ask for our lady's motherly guidance and care as she lifts us up in prayer and guides us to you. And we offer all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, Amanda. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. (laughs) How was your weekend? Oh, it was very nice. I took the opportunity. I have some friends who live in Pittsburgh, and I haven't seen them in about a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And I figured uh, it's just time to take a drive out there and go see them. So it was great because one of my friends just had a her second child, so I got to meet her little one. Aww. And then I have another friend who um, has been engaged for a couple months now and is you know planning her whole path of marriage. So... Just meeting them where they're at in life and getting to spend that joy and celebrating with them. Very nice. How was the weather over there? Uh, it was different than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I packed a certain way for certain weather and then it ended up being quite cold on Friday or Sunday morning. But it was, it was still nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never spent much time in Pittsburgh. No? More through Pittsburgh than in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So, though I was at one of their men's conferences years ago and uh uh a, a wonderful day. It, it was a wonderful day, but all wrapped up in in the conference really didn't make it out and about that much. Mm-hmm. So. My friends who live there, something that I was struck by is that they shared that it seems to be a very family-oriented city. Mm. Which I guess you don't typically hear described, the city's described as. So, yeah, got some insight from their perspective. We went and saw, Carol and I went and saw The Chosen mm. in uh, in the theater yesterday. Three and a half hours of uh, 
the first three episodes of season four. Oh, wow. They must have had an intermission, right? Five minutes. <laughs> okay. With so a timer. Started a timer, <laughs> run to the restroom. <laughs> that was pretty much it. You know, and by the time we made it out of the three, you know, out of the theater itself, it was like three minutes to go. <laughs> Countdown begins. <laughs> so I will stay away from spoilers. Okay. Other than to say, I thought it was outstanding. Oh, um, good. Uh, the Chosen has been such a blessing, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, to us and obviously to so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just an extraordinary um, series. And this season is amazing okay the first three episodes um extra biblical is what i'll call it um so some of the storylines are outside of scripture so i think it's important to keep in mind that this is a a fictionalized right you know um telling of uh of, of the gospels with that said, though, too, I mean, it, it's plausible these storylines could have mm-hmm. happened, but I think it's a really important to remember um, to stay rooted in in actual scripture, um, in the catechism, to um, to have that understanding. Uh, not that there's errors. I don't. I don't want to imply that because it, it has been a blessing, and as a visual learner, mm-hmm. it, it it really has been fantastic but to have that rootedness in scripture i think is so important going in going into the series mm-hmm. today's gospel and part of uh the third episode was getting to this uh, today's gospel is uh the pharisees come forward and began to argue with jesus seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him he sighed he sighed from the depth of his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Amen, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, got into the boat again, and went off to the other shore. And to me, this, this is a reminder not to be overly focused on the gift mm-hmm. rather than the giver. And, and to what, what Christ is calling us to is to have faith in him. He, he is the sign. He is the wonder. And yes, he does perform miracles. And, um, and that's outstanding. Mm-hmm. But keep things in the proper order. He, he is, desires to be the focus. He wants us to come to him and not to... Um, overemphasize for lack of maybe a better word um his outward signs amen so yeah yeah so to to keep the eye on the price mm-hmm. so to speak and uh um always especially heading into lent to um spend time with the lord and and know him and know what he has promised for each of us mm-hmm. so makes sense yeah, yeah. Beautiful reflection. We are in Women's Conference Week. Yeah. So coming up on Saturday, this wondrous gift, the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference, Saturday, February 17th at Case Hall, Ohio Expo Center. You can register online at stgabrielradio.com. 
So ladies, I hope you're getting your tickets. And while you're registering, take the time to invite your husbands or those men in your lives to attend the 27th annual Catholic Men's Conference called to be Saints, Saturday, February 24th, also at the Ohio Expo Center. The theme this year, the Eucharist, Go Deeper. And those tickets are also available online at stgabrielradio.com. We're going to welcome in just a few minutes Father Joshua Whitfield, who is giving a parish mission at Our Lady of Peace in Clintonville. Father Whitfield's going to talk to us about this uh, mission's theme, Revival Sacrifice, Jesus, the Eucharist, and you. Stay with us. Adorable face of my Jesus, my only love, my light and my life, grant that I may know, love, and serve Thee alone, and that I may live with Thee, of Thee, by Thee, and for Thee. Amen. Eternal Father, I offer Thee, the adorable face of Thy beloved Son, for the honor and glory of Thy name, for the conversion of sinners, and for the salvation of the dying. Amen. O Divine Jesus, through thy face and thy name, save us. Our hope is in the virtue of thy holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of industriousness is seen in St. Cyril and Methodius. They lived industriousness heroically by working diligently to bring the Catholic faith to the Slavonic people. Having grown up together in Greece, the brothers were sent to Russia as missionaries. They created the first written alphabet from the Slavonic languages in order to teach the faith. Their industriousness allowed the sacraments to be offered in a language the people could understand. Let us ask St. Cyril and Methodius to pray for us, that we may grow in industriousness. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. I am Lori Kroc, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. When we are faced with illness, infirmity, or injury, either our own or with a loved one, we might feel powerless to pray and unable to rely on the strength of Christ. When suffering seems to thwart us on our holy and healthy journey, we can look to the saints who see suffering as an opportunity to grow in faith, hope, and love. St. Vincent de Paul said, If only we knew the precious treasure hidden in infirmities, we would receive them with the same joy with which we receive the greatest benefits. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, St. Paul said, Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, constraints, for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let us pray. Jesus, you teach us the power of suffering in your passion, and we live in the hope of your resurrection. May we remain joyfully dependent on your strength in all circumstances. Amen. 
Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn. Father Joshua Whitfield is the pastoral administrator of St. Rita Catholic Community in Dallas, Texas, and is in our fine city to deliver a parish mission at Our Lady of Peace Parish in Clintonville, 20 East Dominion Boulevard, their website, olp.parish.org. Good morning, Father Joshua Whitfield. Good morning, y'all. (laughs) Y'all! Welcome to town. Good, yeah, it's good to be here. It's a beautiful city. First trip here? Uh, First trip here that didn't just uh, in involve the airport so it's, uh, <laughs> nice. it's good to see the, the actual town uh, but it's, it's a lovely part of the country this part of ohio oh thank you glad to have you here and yeah all airports all kind of tend to look the same after a while don't they, they indeed do yeah now you can have lobster in boston you know chicago hot dogs in chicago i'm not sure what the big mm-hmm. fair is in sliders maybe is there a white castle at yeah, it could a lot be. of Ohio State stuff. That's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what true. Someone notices. So your parish mission, um, you preached the masses this uh, weekend, right? But uh, the actual yeah, parish mission yeah. this evening, a 6 o'clock talk, uh, mm-hmm. followed by confession and then exposition and adoration. And your theme is revival sacrifice, Jesus, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Eucharist, and you. And you authored a book uh, Eucharist bread of life, as well as the crisis of bad preaching. So your focus is on the Eucharist. What is revival sacrifice? Yeah, I, I, we are underway in, in this great Eucharistic revival in, in America, which is a beautiful and wonderful thing. But but it but the questions I always have are are how does it relate to me and. It's 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 more than just uh, you know a, a conference in Indiana or uh, or the revival of one's understanding of the church's teaching. Mm-hmm. Where does the rubber meet the road, right? And 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 how does it how does something like the Eucharist change me? These sort of fundamental, you know, I guess existential questions, uh, you know, have to be asked. Uh, otherwise, this is just a class on the Eucharist, you know. Uh, mm. that, Nationwide, and so uh, wh- where where am I being asked to change? And that, and and that quickly, at least as far as I think about it, um, involves questions of of sacrifice, right? You know, uh, uh, Romans twelve, you know, uh, be, becoming a living sacrifice, and in in Lumen Gentium, when when uh, the the text talks about source and summit, it it says, you know, we. We are to offer ourselves along with the divine victim, uh, and so really, it's a question about what what that actually means, you know. Uh, and and so there's the sacrifice of the mass, but I think you know Augustine quite clearly, you know, said he said, look on the altar and you know, receive what you are. Mm. What what is what is our sacrifice uh, that that has to um, mirror and participate in in the Eucharistic sacrifice? So. Otherwise, we're just looking at something that's nice and interesting, right? If it, if it doesn't involve um, a, a change in, a, in, in me that we would call a sacrifice. So that, that, that's basically what I'm trying to mm-hmm. think about. Mm-hmm. Father Joshua Whitfield offering a parish mission at Our Lady of Pe- Peace Parish in Clintonville this evening, 
at 6 o'clock and then wrapping up tomorrow evening at 6. So, Father, the um, what I'm taking from your words there, too, is that it's... Um, this is Jesus alive in, in, in mm-hmm. the Eucharist. That this isn't a... Oh boy, the image comes to mind of just like walking through a museum looking at paintings or looking at objects. That that this is a living, he is a living reality that has the power to transform our hearts. Right. So, for example, you know, the gospel yesterday, uh, the leper stands before the Lord, kneels down and begs. You know, and and it's the pity of the Lord that that changes the man. You know that that is an experience that um, is fundamentally Eucharistic, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so when I walk into a church and I, and I see the Lord exposed, or I know He's in the tabernacle, or I'm at Mass or something, I I, I don't. It's not just an intellectual experience uh, where where I say, oh, there is you know, the sacrament and there's transubstantiation. I mean, it's, one can get one's head around that as best as best one can. But but to, but for, for it to integrate, you know, entirely in one's experience of the universe and oneself, uh, that brings you to your knees, right? And that, 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 that lets you know that the Lord is there and no one is, no one is unchanged encountering the Lord, right? And so... Um, that fundamentally, uh, I, I think, is what, what the Eucharistic revival is all about, um, and, and so that's what I'm trying to get at from my own experience of the Eucharistic revival. Yeah, um, I just happen to be able to talk to people about it. <laughs> <laughs> Father Joshua, what you're sharing with us this I, this the necessity really for bringing our sacrifice to the Lord, especially at mm-hmm. that moment of consecration. Um, or the idea of the necessity of sacrifice for revival, really getting to uh, what sacrifice do we need to change in ourselves? And Mm -hmm. would you say then that's a very personal type of sacrifice, or is there something general that maybe all Christians can focus on? What kind of sacrifice are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, uh, both and, I should think. But, you know, I I think... um, you know, when when you're there praying uh, before to, before receiving the Lord, um, you know, to 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 be to be in in the same mindset, to be in to to come with the same sort of vulnerability. Let's say the leper had in Mark's gospel, or all those beautiful people in Mark's gospel who are healed. If you if you follow along, you'll notice that there's always some form of begging going on. Hmm. Um, where they're brought to a point where they, they are completely, they've completely dethroned the self, they've completely disarmed themselves, and 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 they can't help but know that they're that they're entirely vulnerable and entirely in need of grace, right? Now, so so what, is, what does that look like? I mean, clearly that, that that you know, I guess for me as a priest and a pastor of a huge church in Dallas, you know, part of that means chipping away at my felt sense that I need to be in control of everything, right? Mm-hmm. I need to be the perfectly professionally religious, you know, priest. Mm-hmm. And, and how can, what does that look like for me? But what does that look like for you as, you know, the, 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 the person with resources or the person who, who has this, um, you know, propensity or even, let's say, addiction that, that you can't get rid of that's dominating you, but you still manage to 
think that you're in control. What does it, what does it look like to sort of let that grace work on you like, uh, you know, acid that cleanses you, you know? Um, and that's a very personal question. Um, I think generally speaking, uh, across the board, it, 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 you know, very simply boils down to, um, you know, the question of what, what, what would it be like if Catholics across the board started acting like Catholics? You know, the world would convert pretty quickly. We're speaking with Father Joshua Whitfield, who's presenting a parish mission at Our Lady of Peace in Clintonville, olp-parish.org. For more details, no RSV, RSVP is required, so just show up, and it is a free event. Now, Father, you are a former Episcopal priest, mm-hmm. and you and your wife, Allie, and your family um, came into the Catholic Church in 2009, and then as a part of the pastoral provision of Pope St. John Paul II, um, you were ordained a Catholic priest in 2012. Are you going to be sharing your own story of how you came to, to know and fall in love with the Eucharist? Um, yeah, I mean, a little bit, not not sort of intentionally, um, but, you know, the, the, these things slip out, uh, <laughs> you know, because um, it it's a beautiful story, but it's, I, I'm... You know, so many wonderful convert stories, um, and since I've become a Catholic, uh, you know, you 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 recognize that work of the Holy Spirit in in so many different types of Protestants. Who, you know, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you mm. feel it, you can't unfeel it. The truth of the Church, right? The truth right. of the Catholic faith. And so, and for me, that happened. And, and uh, you know, John Henry Newman um, saw it. Uh, in 1839, and he said it was like seeing a ghost frightened him, you know, and he wrestled for six years before he became a Catholic, and um, and so that, you know, that certainly happened to me, and, and, and the, the result has been this, you know, beautiful, graced, uh, ecclesiastical zoo exhibit life where, um, you know, I can't explain it, but I'm a priest, and I'm also married, and I've got five kids, and People ask me sometimes, you know, how does it work uh, being a married priest? And I tell them, who, who told you it works? I, you know, that, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, I just get up every day and do my best. And yeah, and, but it's just this beautiful, it's just beautiful, weird existence. And you know, this is what we get when we take uh, Utunam sent seriously. You know, I mean, uh, Jesus said, "Be one," and here we are. We're trying to trying to make that work. Outstanding. Father Joshua Whitfield is with us for Revival Sacrifice, Jesus, the Eucharist, and You Parish Mission at Our Lady of Peace in Clintonville, happening tonight and tomorrow night. Father Whitfield, thanks for spending time with us this morning. Yeah, thank you all. You all take care. God bless you. Enjoy Columbus. Yeah, will do. (laughs) Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Jason and Lauren Mays to talk about their conversion stories and how they and their families or their family are pursuing Christ together. Stay with us. O good Jesus, you are the Most High God, everlasting and always living. You have shown us the way to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to guide us. 
we implore thy most sacred heart to have mercy on us in this time of need. Bless and protect the vulnerable. Give hope to all and fill our hearts with confidence in your divine mercy. Be our joy in the midst of suffering and our stability in the midst of uncertainty. Your forgiveness we seek, your love we need, your protection we implore. Forgive our sins and heal our wounds. Strengthen any weakness of faith and make us strong so as to give witness to your glory. Keep far from us any illness, pestilence, or harm. You are our refuge. You are our comfort. You are our hope. Through the intercession of Our Lady, health of the sick, we come to your most sacred heart and beseech your protection and blessing. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Amen. Well, as a teenager, I didn't really see how relevant uh, religion was in my life. In my early 20s, I, I began to look at other faiths. Well, I, I understand as, as a Catholic that the things that I, were, I was given uh, at a very early age, those things never ended. They're still with me. That's what drew me back. Because the Catholic Church is, a, is worldwide, there are so many different types of people that come to the church, and, and it's a place where I feel accepted for who I am. I'm where God wants me to be, and, and I feel like my life is, can be used for what He wants now. And when I came back, I said, Lord, you were waiting for me the whole time with your arms open wide, and I have come home. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Often unbelievers have a hard time reconciling the doctrine of hell with an all-good God. In fact, I've talked to Catholics who struggle with this. So what can we say to help? Well, first, the punishment of hell is not a kind of vengeance inflicted by God from without but follows from the nature of sin. All those in hell choose it, and God's respect of man's free will doesn't contradict his goodness. Furthermore, it belongs to God's goodness to make a distinction between loyal and disloyal subjects, and to give their just deserts. What kind of a God would he be if he gave the same reward, heaven, to those who refuse to love him as to those who love him? He wouldn't be a good God. For these reasons, the doctrine of hell is not incompatible with God's goodness. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi friends, welcome back. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn and say hello to Jason and Lauren Mays. Good morning, Good Mays. Morning. Good morning. Jason, you've been in before. You are the communications director for the Diocese of Columbus. I am. So welcome back. Thank you. Lauren, first time in the cafe. It is. Thanks for being here. Thank you. So you both um, originally from Columbus area. I guess that's a question. Are you both (laughs) from the... (laughs) Yes, born and raised in central Ohio. Okay. And Jason? Grew up uh, up in Randallsburg. Yeah. I lived in Indiana for about nine months and that was terrible yeah exiled yeah. the exodus yeah. yeah it's really flat really windy it smells like pigs <laughs> <laughs> it's bad i didn't eat pepperoni pizza for like a couple of years after living in indiana wow anyway moving on. <laughs> it all smells like pig everything smells see like the- part of me really wants to spend a lot of time <laughs> yeah i'm sorry for anybody who lived in who lives in indiana or, or lived in indiana and has fond memories of it because i 
I don't. All, everything, everything smells like pigs. Well, for those of our, our friends that are in Indiana, I apologize for Jason's yeah. uh, comments. Starting off so. with controversial comments. Sorry. <laughs> Coming at you at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> Lauren, how do you feel about pepperoni? Um, as a longtime vegan, oh, not so much on the pepperoni. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Did you spend time in Indiana as well, or is this... Uh, I did not. No. This is that just was a personal choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about your life growing up. Raised um, Catholic? I was. I went to 12 years of Catholic school. I went to St. Tim's, and then I'm mm-hmm. a Bishop Watterson grad. Okay. And um, in education was excellent, um, but I think that the faith was largely lost on me at, at that time in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, in what respect was it just an intellectual exercise, like just learning about it and I think didn't and, go any deeper? I mean, I have, you know, Catholic roots that go deep in my extended family, especially. And, you know, we attended mass when I was a kid, but it was just kind of that thing that you did on Saturdays and mm-hmm. that you did on Easter. And that was kind of where it stopped. Okay. Um, so I, I think I just missed a lot of the intention and the the personal connection that should have been there. Mm-hmm. So going into college, then you kind of stepped away from the Catholic Church for a time. I did. Um, I just I was not in a great emotional or spiritual place when I left for college. I went to Belmont School of Music in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Okay. Um, great school. Loved it. Uh, but I went there exclusively for the music program, and uh, Belmont is a Baptist university. Mm-hmm. And I distinctly remember filling out my application where it asked, how important is your faith to you in your decision to come to Belmont? And my answer was not at all. And it it really just, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I got there, first of all, it was a culture shock because going to a a Baptist university in the Bible Belt was a very different experience than being Catholic in Columbus, Ohio. Um, So once I got got past that, I did take notice of the people around me and I was seeing you know kids almost all of the kids praying before their meals in the school cafeteria when their parents weren't there telling them to do that and um, it was their faith was impacting the decisions they made on weekends and it was just a kind of just a part of their lives in a way that I had not experienced and at least with my immediate friend group, I saw in them a joy that I didn't have. Um, so that definitely got my attention, and I started attending church with them. We just went to one of the the mega churches, actually, in Nashville, just a non-denominational. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then did you come back to Columbus then after graduation? No. So it was kind of a winding road to get back here. Um while I was there, I had um, I had gone to a Wednesday evening service at the church that we had. And really the only reason I went was because I wanted to play the grand piano because they had this amazing grand piano. And once everyone cleared out, you could play it. So that was really the whole reason I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I waited for the church to clear out. I felt like I didn't belong because at, at that point in time, I just wasn't, my faith still really wasn't real to me yet and after the church had emptied out I found myself you know I walked up to the front and found myself on the steps leading up to it's not really an altar but kind of an altar 
and just found myself there just in tears, just crying under the weight of, of the struggles that I had had. And in the way, way back of this huge church was one man who I would love to ask God who this man was. He was an elderly man and he was sitting in the back row and I could feel him praying for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was like these two huge arms reached down and just lifted away everything that I had been carrying and that pit in my stomach and mm-hmm. just took it and just lifted it away and replaced it with a piece that I had never known. And I think that that moment was a a transformative encounter with God when Jesus was real to me. Um, so that kind of, you know, set me on a, a whole course and my life still really wasn't where it needed to be, but, um, but there was just, I had, I had that in me that I hadn't had before. So the start of my sophomore year, um, I experienced some hardship. I found out that I was pregnant right at the beginning of my sophomore year and it was not a great situation. Um, it was, it was clear early on that there was not going to be much support. And I was told all kinds of things that, I was throwing away my future if I had this baby and that, um, you know, I needed to consider what kind of mom I would be, you know, bringing him into the world and, you know, was encouraged not to have him. Mm. But, um, but there was definitely something different in me after, after Jesus. And I was in love with him from the moment I found out about him. So that was clearly not going to happen. So long story short, that's how I ended up back in Columbus. Um, I ended up not finishing school there. I I did continue some more college up here, but I moved back to Columbus um, since I was a single mom just to be close to my family. Mm -hmm. Lauren and Jason Mays here in the cafe with us. Lauren sharing her story. Um, So you're you're in Columbus then as a single mom. Yeah. And you found communities for your family primarily to support you. Did you have find a Christian community? here in Columbus at that point also? I did. I attended uh, Vineyard Church on Cooper Road, mm-hmm. um, which is a wonderful church, and that's actually where I was going when Jason and I met. We didn't meet there, but we both went there. Um, so we were we were a part of that. And then, you know, fast forward, I ended up meeting Jason, and we got married. year after we were married, he adopted my son. Okay. And we had six more kids. And we were in the Protestant church for about, 13 more years until he was led to convert to Catholicism. Yeah. So you grew up in a, in a Protestant tradition, Jason. Yeah. Um, meet, uh, Lauren at, at the vineyard. When, when did the Catholic thing start to happen for, for the two of you? Well, that was when we were at vineyard, it was, it, it started with, um, I think one of the things it started with was a sermon that Rich Nathan was giving Mm -hmm. where he talked about JP two. And then I started researching and, uh, you know, that was, that was part of it. Um, backing up for just a second, one of the funny things about our, our oldest that I adopted, it's hilarious when people, when we stand next to each other, because Lauren's side, uh, like Lauren's family's taller, mine's not. And so when I stand next to Aiden, he's got like a foot and a half on me. <laughs> he looks like and Thor. he's got a big beard and hair. And, <laughs> and so like, this is my son. And he's like a foot and a half taller than I am. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it, it was, um, you know, going back to the, uh, rich Nathan, it was, there was a sermon there. And then, um, like we talked about before, I, um, started studying JP two and found that, uh, 
found that the the differences um, between you know how I was brought up with scriptures and all these different things that there wasn't this huge chasm between what I believed and and Catholicism which was you know a lot of what I thought for a long time and I think that scares people especially in the Protestant world when they start seeing that that gap sure. isn't isn't as big as what we think it is well it, JP2 uh, we're speaking with uh, Jason Warren Mays JP2 can be some tough reading mm-hmm. also I mean, did you intellectually did you have that philosophical and that theological well i didn't start with like theology of the body i started yeah. with like familius consortia that book's a lot shorter uh yeah and so that stuff i felt like was was very much where our family was mm-hmm. you know the role of the christian family in the modern world yeah and so it was i felt like that book was uh was really a one-two punch of of just really challenging your faith and who are you as a follower of of jesus in this world uh you know, as a man, as a woman, as a mm-hmm. husband. At, at that at that point, did you did you have other Catholics in your life that you could turn to for support and mm-hmm. to to help mentor? Yeah, uh, there there were. I think I can't remember if I told last time I was on um, my buddy that I was the best man at his wedding, mm-hmm. and then yeah, I went up to had no idea what the Eucharist was, and nobody told me what the Eucharist was, and I went up to you know during the wedding mass went up. Uh, and just stood in front of Father Watson. It was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> just stood there in front of me. <laughs> uh, you know, but it was, it, you know, he had, uh, my buddy there had given me a, a, a catechism and, and we had chatted here and there. Lauren, uh, like Lauren talked about, she has a strong um, Catholic background in her family. Um, uh, her great aunt was instrumental. Um, she was, I forget, I'm sorry, a sister or a nun, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> But just had the love of Jesus Christ all over her and yeah. every single mm-hmm. thing that she did. So yes, there were people around um, that really influenced. Um, and I, honestly, one of the biggest things when we go back to um, when you talk, mentioned prayer before meals, one of the biggest things that really stuck with me in my conversion process was a guy that I worked with when I was at NBC, um, and we were out at covering a bowl game, uh, and we all went out to to dinner. And everybody else just tore into their food. And I see this guy lean over and do the sign of the cross and say a prayer and do the sign of the cross. And that was the most bold like thing I had ever seen. And I just thought it was awesome. And it just, it totally hooked me. It's like, wow, that guy's got guts. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, so little things like that, you know, people in my life like that, yeah. Jason Lauren Mays here in the cafe with us. Sometimes it's easy easy to forget how such a simple outside or a, a small outward sign can be so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. We have no idea the little things that we yeah. do, how much they impact other people. Um, I like to think I'm a pretty smart and wise guy quite a bit. My oldest, again, said to me one time, Dad, you're really wise except when you think you're being wise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so it's those things that we never, right? The things that we never realize, the little things that we do that really impact other people around us. Mm -hmm. So Jason, it sounds like you've had kind of all these puzzle pieces that were slowly being put together. Hearing the sermon that was talked about JP2 and then having some examples in your life and your buddy and the opportunity to be at the mass during his wedding so what was kind of like the final push 
that you're like, I just have to dive into Catholicism? Well, we got involved. I got involved in RCIA and had a great, um, a great RCIA team that really inspired me. Um, if anybody is on, by the way, if anybody's on the fence about going to RCIA, you should definitely go to RCIA. They yeah. are, even if you don't have the, the, on your horizon to uh, convert or this or that, or if you're Catholic and you want to know more about your faith, go to RCIA. There are amazing conversations. They're very difficult at times conversations that you have where you can ask very frank questions and get really good answers. Yeah. That's the time to do it. Right? So that's awesome yeah. to do. What was your reaction, Lauren? When, I mean, did Jason come to you and say, I want to come to the church and where were you at that point? Or did you slowly was, start seeing it happen and wondering it from like a, a distance? It was kind of like that. He was going to daily mass and, um, like we were going to scratch, wasn't it? kind of, I mean, we were going to two churches at the time I was, you know, still attending Protestant church and then we were going to Catholic mass and, um, you know, honestly it was, it was kind of his thing that he was doing and I really didn't have any intention but of you were coming going back with to the him. Catholic church. I was not initially, but I was eventually because, you know, to me, the, the, you know, having been in the Protestant church for so long, it didn't really matter to me where I was, mm. but I wanted to be with my family. I would much prefer, at that point in time, I, I much preferred to go to Catholic Mass together than go to two different places. Mm -hmm. um, but I still I still held out for quite a while, honestly. 30 Not, years. Uh, 30 years. But. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Maybe 30 years. She's committed. Not anymore. Not backbone. anymore. It's good. Which I think is partly why I'm here, because last time he was on you didn't mention that I'm not still, in yeah, his words, sorry. wandering around in the Protestant woods, like lost yeah. and not knowing where I'm going. <laughs> I did actually come back. So <laughs> then 30, 30 years married, you start going to RCI, just, uh, Jason. I've been called worse. <laughs> um, <laughs> what year was that? Uh, uh, 2015-ish. Okay. Yeah, right around in there. Yeah. So I came in, I, I came into the church. The kids all were baptized um, at different levels and not different levels of baptism, but baptized <laughs> right. and confirmed. And you get nine wherever, feet of, yeah. it, wherever they were. You get the nine feet of water. You get this <laughs> of water. Uh, so we all came into the church and then that, you know, we were all going to mass involved and the kids are servers and, and all those different things, but we still had this one holdout who was a supportive holdout, but she was a holdout uh, for a while. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't want to speak for you, but I think there were a lot of questions. Yeah, I think, there were. you know, there were a lot of reservations, um, you know, and what's wrong with that? What's mm -hmm. wrong with having questions, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, Lauren, what were some of your questions? Um, I think I had a lot of the typical, hmm. you know, the typical reservations that people tend to have about Catholicism. But honestly, the um, my my big stronghold was confession. Okay. Um, that was my thing. I and not and not because I you know don't recognize that I didn't recognize that I was sinful or that I didn't believe in confessing your sins to one another or any of those things. But um, I think I kind of had a chip on my shoulder because to me, um, you know, my relationship with God was so deeply personal, especially from my history. And, um, you know, the times in my life when the bottom had fallen out and I felt completely alone, God was there. Mm -hmm. And I, it was during those times that I had learned to like find a scripture and stand on it and how I saw him carry me through when, you know, maybe the support systems that should have been in place 
failed. And so for me to be told, and I, you know, while we were going to Catholic mass, I was not receiving the Eucharist obviously at that point. Um, and so to be told that I needed to go to a person who maybe I didn't, you know, fully know or trust and bear my soul to a person to get to my God. I just, I really had a hard time with that. Mm. Um, we had a lot of conversations, a lot of yeah. very spirited conversations. Spirited. <laughs> I might have spirited conversations. <laughs> spirited. I, you know, I think growing up in the Catholic faith, sometimes we can almost take the gifts that we have for granted. But coming from a Protestant background, Lauren, I'm sure with your struggle, you almost get the chance to recognize the gift that you have, maybe even more so. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's funny now because I, I say that it, after being able to, you know, receive the Eucharist and, you know, be able to go to adoration. And I mean, those are probably my two favorite things about being Catholic. But a close third after that is confession. I actually love confession. It's, mm -hmm. I think it's a, a beautiful gift that we have as Catholics. And um, I definitely was not expecting that mm -hmm. for sure. Jason and Lauren Mays with us here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. How, how did your um, children react? What was the age range then when you all came into the church? I don't know. <laughs> Young. <laughs> two, I don't 15 know. to 2. Lauren, okay. let's, uh, uh, yeah, I was two. looking at the wrong person <laughs> there. <laughs> Is, did your older children have maybe more of hesitation or was everyone kind of just kind of on board? Not at all. They it loved it. Exciting. Wow. Yeah. They were excited about it. Okay. I think some of the, as they've gotten older have had questions here and there, mm -hmm. but again, what's wrong with a question? You know, you're, I've always said your biggest, your biggest skeptic is your biggest persuader. Mm -hmm. Have a question, ask questions, mm -hmm. right? Because once those questions are answered, that's rock solid in that, in that person's heart, you know? Uh, but they, I think, you know, as each of them go on their own faith journeys, right? Um, they have questions or this or that, but they were all very excited. Did you come in at the Easter vigil? Uh, we actually had uh, Father Tim Hayes mm -hmm. did this really cool thing where uh, we actually came in on a Thanksgiving Eve, which is awesome. <laughs> Thanksgiving was like my favorite holiday. Wow. Uh, yeah. But yeah. we had a mass, just, uh, he put a, uh, did a mass just for that. It was amazing. It was really cool. I had all of our family there. It was an wow. amazing experience. Was it, a, was it a welcome home moment? for you, Lauren, with, with your family, uh, welcoming, what was, what was your family's reaction? You had been away from the Catholic church for a time, obviously mm -hmm. staying close to the Lord, but how, how, how was their reaction? Um, my great aunt that Jason referenced was overjoyed, of course. I mean, she was thrilled and, uh, my dad I know was really happy. Yeah. Yeah. Jason and Lauren Mays here with us in St. Gabriel Cafe. We're talking about their conversion, reversion, and um, then all coming into the church together. When when I made that decision to um, come into the church, my, my wife was raised Catholic. I grew up Methodist and then kind of spun my own. Um, but that I, I'll never forget coming to her and saying, I, I want to going to RCIA she's like really <laughs> yeah, she uh, that this was right in right after the priest abuse hit in 2002-2003 and she was wrestling with a lot of things with the Catholic faith that I had no idea was going on mm. with her but 
Um, at that point, we had uh, two children. And I think just me stepping forward led to her reevaluating a lot of her own things. And then we were able to journey together. And me coming into, into the church uh, at, at the Easter Vigil wasn't, wasn't the culmination, wasn't the end of the journey by any means. It was really a big step into the next phase as our lives together up to that point. Um, you know, we weren't sharing, um, a common faith. Now we had that in common and could start. Has that, have you guys had a similar, um, um, definitely. And, and, uh, what I thought to say back when Jason was talking about RCIA and didn't mention is that, um, I would highly recommend even Catholics who are cradle Catholics you know, that they would go to RCIA. Cause I, when he went through his conversion process and he was going through the classes, I attended the classes with him, mm. even though I was still technically a holdout. And um, to go through RCIA as an adult with, at that point, a really solid Bible foundation was eye-opening to me. Um, it cleared up a lot of the, the misconceptions, things I, you know, thought were taught that weren't or vice versa. And, you know, to be able to see this is what the Catholic Church teaches, and this is why, this is the scripture that this teaching comes from, uh, that, you know, was part of what was lost on me as a kid. But to be able to go back through that as an adult was hugely beneficial. Mm -hmm. And certainly now, um, you know, things have come a long way. Like, I am a daily mass goer. Um, Shout out to the, the... the Hail Mary circle at St. Andrew in the mornings, they always meet and say Hail Marys for intentions after mass. And they're amazing and wonderful. Um, you know, our, our kids are really involved in the Catholic youth missionary program at St. Brendan. And, you know, they just to kind of all be able to share those things. When we come home from our co-op on Wednesdays, we drive right past St. Brendan and typically we pop in there so the kids can go to adoration. Beautiful. Um, and so, you know, just just having all of those, and that's one of the benefits, I think, of Catholicism is that, you know, once you realize that that these aren't just, you know, a bunch of hoops that you jump through or a bunch of things standing between you and God, that these are actually tangible ways that you can connect more with God. Um, to, you know, have that foundation and understand that and then be able to experience that all as a family and all of the things that the kids do, the uh, our youngest was so excited because our 17-year-old um, had started wearing a, a veil and started veiling in mass, and then the 15-year-old wanted to do that, and then the 9-year-old decided she wanted to do that too, and she was so excited because this last Sunday was her first day that she Aww. could wear her mantilla in mass. So, um, you know, having all of those just like extra, extra ways to to connect and celebrate mm-hmm. your faith is really beautiful. Jason Lauren Mays here in the cafe with us. Now, Jason, in 2022, you had the opportunity to start a new career journey as well mm-hmm. um, by becoming director of communications for the diocese. 
Was that much of a discussion point between the two of you? So stepping away from a secular career that, that you had developed for quite some time and, and making that move to work for the church? No, it was a, it was a no-brainer. Yeah. And it wasn't because I didn't love what I did. Mm-hmm. I loved news. I mean, it was it was my attention span. <laughs> it's really short. <laughs> you know, uh, it was fast. It was a lot of adrenaline. Um, you know, there was there was always something new. You were in the know. Um, I like it was a great career. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I met, you know, how I met Lauren as well. Um, you know, so it was a really good career, but I knew that in, that all of this time in doing these things, that that wasn't the, that wasn't like, okay, I'm not, this is not the place I'm going to retire. This is not the end of the story. This is a, a, a school of hard knocks, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Um, you know, cause we've talked about before, like the media is not, not. Uh, friendly toward anything that has to do with Jesus. Yeah. Unless it's a swear word. That's it. Uh, you know, that's not, it's just, there is nothing about uh, media that is, that is, uh, acts in a loving manner toward faith. Um, so it was a good, it was a good, it was a, it was a school of hard knocks. It really was, but it was a preparation for where God was taking us, which is a, a, a really cool place to be. Did you catch the uh, commercials during the game last night? No, there, there were, we didn't watch any of it. I, I, apparently, I, I didn't watch it either. But I, I made maybe the mistake of scrolling through some uh, mm. social media. There were two faith-related commercials. Okay, um, one from the Hallow app, which was essentially a thirty-second prayer. Oh, cool! Is uh, Mark that Wahlberg is. sitting in a pew in a church, um, praying for? everyone that's watching families you know players and uh jonathan rumi approaching to get his uh his ashes for uh, ash wednesday then there was um another ad which i haven't seen but the reaction to have having two um faith-related commercials were what what you would expect Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know there there are those that are cheering it on and then others that are just like what you know yeah what a waste, what a waste of money, what a, you know, the message is off or the message. Well, Jesus said, don't be anti. surprised. Yeah. They hated me. They're going to hate you too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what it is, right? Yeah. It's what we choose. We sign up for this. You know, when we follow him, we sign up for this. Mm-hmm. That's okay. So Lauren, you, um, your reaction to Jason taking a job with the diocese, you, you saw it as the next move together? Definitely. Um, he had been looking you know as much as that his former career was beneficial for a time he had been looking to get out of there for a while um so we were absolutely thrilled mm-hmm. i think there was an unsettledness there it was just like what's it, it could feel you know in your life when you know something's coming mm. just kind of feels like a shirt that doesn't fit or whatever mm. um and it was good but i just i just knew it wasn't the end and that, that now i have the privilege of of working at the diocese, of serving our priests that serve all the prisoners, um, you know, that's not a small thing. Yeah. It's a privileged spot to be in, and I and I'm happy about it. I'm, I really appreciate it. When I made that uh, decision to leave uh, corporate life and kind of enter into uh, ministry work, I, I was a bit concerned that my faith um, 
just how it would mesh with being a professional Catholic, you know, working, working in the church, working for an apostolate. And, um, I mean, at, at times the prayer life steps back. It's not as intentional because I'm talking about the faith all day. I'm living the faith with a lot, with so many other people. So, but I've been able to find that balance and still really pursue the Lord first and foremost and, and through, uh, the cafe to talk with a lot of people who are pursuing the Lord. Have you had a similar situation since uh, joining the diocese where you're just a little burned at the end of the day? I think when, you know, we talk to our kids about faith should be part of every single thing that, that you do. Yeah. Um, it's not a patch, uh, to borrow from words of a pastor that I heard at one point, it's not a patch that you put on a jean jacket. Jesus, it, Jesus isn't a sticker you put on your bumper. Mm-hmm. It's everything that you do. It's, it's how you, um, it's, it's how you live your life, but there is that danger. You know, the scriptures tell us over and over and over again, not, especially in Proverbs, not to let this slip away. Mm-hmm. Right. We can take anything. We can take things for granted very easily. And so our faith, I have to, you know, make sure. And I, I think anybody in a similar situation, like you're mentioning, but to really focus on a, letting, there's a fine line. Your faith becomes like, everything that you are right it should be that's who we are we were created to be one with with god we weren't created to be human and then have and then go to church like we're created to be with god in all things but there's a fine line there too of like not allowing that to become blase uh, of allowing it to become old hat and humdrum because it's not humdrum ever right i mean <laughs> right i was a sinner and, yeah. and and saved by saved by mercy you know you know, but it, there is that danger. But I think, I think God speaks to us through the scriptures, especially again, especially in Proverbs where he says, don't let it slip away. Mm-hmm. Don't let, you know, bind these things around your neck and all that, all the different things mm-hmm. that are said in there. Yeah. Yeah. Jason and Lauren Mays here in the cafe with us. Plans for Lent. Um, I love this time of year. Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday. Um, any ideas on how you guys are approaching it as as a family? Have you talked about that? Uh, screens are going to go dark. They are. Wow. I yeah. am excited for that. <laughs> screens are going to go dark. It's a good time to just be quiet. Mm-hmm. Be quiet and listen. Uh, another another Father Tim Hayes thing that years ago that he taught us, talking about making room for God mm-hmm. um, and saying no to some things in our lives so that we can say yes to Jesus more. So that's always our focus around them. Amen. Jason and Lauren, thanks for being with us. Thank Thank you. you for having us. Thank you, friends, for being with us. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Amen. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow morning.